All right, grab your mic. We're coming up a little bit, well, early today. Oh, yeah, I move over towards. I said it was a dot, and AJ pointed out it's an X, so he's correct. It is, in fact, X tape. It's an X. It is an X. So we're actually here on behalf of... There's a difference between an X and a dot. Let me just get that straight. Well, I said there's a dot in the middle, but he didn't agree. Anyways, AJ's here from Switch today, and I'm, that's where I'd actually normally be at already this morning myself. But we're here to talk a little bit about Switch and then something that's coming up that I think is really important for all of us to know about. So, AJ, I wanted to ask you, how long have you been at Switch for? Uh, I've been at Switch for about two or three years now. Okay, pretty cool. Why do you like Switch? Uh, Switch is a place where um, I can very much be myself around people and I feel very included with other people and I can include other people in events. That's awesome. And in fact, actually, it's one of those events that we want to talk about. You know, it's interesting, even in my lifetime, I never thought that we would see conflict in Europe again. And now you're seeing a war in Europe. Like, how's the war in Ukraine? Like, what are you feeling about that right now? Personally, what I'm feeling is I'm feeling... um, I'm feeling the stress for all of the Ukraine kids because through all of the bombing and all of the war and conflict, um, personally, in my opinion, it would be very easy to get PTSD. Very easy. Um, And it's not a good thing. It is a very bad thing, including that it is almost to the point where it's like a recreation of World War II. Yeah, it's scary. I don't think any of us thought we'd see this. We're, we got a plan, though, don't we? We're going we're gonna to do something to raise some funds. What's coming up here? Uh, coming up on Sunday, April 24th, for 15 minutes. Before? Yeah, keep going. I'm, I'm just flashing <laughs> things. You're good. You're good. Um, before the service and 15 minutes after the service, we will do a submission to the church uh, for Ukraine funds. It is um, at French Church Ukraine Mission Fund. How are we get? How are we raising those funds? Look back. Oh, uh, through the, uh, through the um, Switch Bake Sale on April twenty fourth. So who's cooking? Who's cooking? Probably Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan no, has amazing cooks. That's true. Our current Switch leader is actually a sealed chef. So yes, I'm sure he'll have some goods there. But we will also be doing some of the cooking, oh, yes. will we not? Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. I like that, Ryan. Ryan's a good promotion. So if you've never had his bread or other things, Ryan's a good one. Yeah. Um, what if I forget on that day and I just show up? How, how could I pay for things? Um, you can pay through you can pay through credit, debit, or cash. What are we not taking? You and I talked about this. Um, we, so we, we can. So me and Trevor were talking. We can do credit, debit, or cash. And Trevor was like, "What else could we do?" I was like, "We can do checks." <laughs> I mean, you could do checks. Your credit's good with us. If you guys want to give us <laughs> checks that day, we'll take them as well. So just so you know. So this is an important thing for us. And if you wonder sort of maybe what happens to people, you know, every two weeks, we're in Switch. And that is Switch is everyone really from grade five up all the way up to grade 12. And it's really an opportunity for teens to connect and do things a little bit differently, which is pretty awesome. AJ? AJ is always a ball of... uh, a ball of energy. I've enjoyed our time together at Switch. He keeps me on my toes, which is awesome. AJ, thanks for coming up. Yeah, you, thank you. And guys. we'll see you guys all in two weeks. Bring your money and your appetites. We've got some good bacon coming on. Holy smokes. I don't know how your day started out, but if you're not better after that uh, song performance and the promise of a bake sale in two weeks, Uh, I don't know if I can do anything to help you then. Uh, This is my alternative role, so not as switch leader, but as charitable giving team. And you know what? 
A big thank you to everybody who's continued to support friends. Like we were just talking about this, Justin just mentioned, it's been two years we've been live streaming. I know, we all know that the pandemic's been going on for a while. At our house, the conversation is, did this happen before the pandemic or afterwards? Like it's almost become a bookmark in, in our lives. And it's interesting, but we're doing okay. Not perfect, it's been harder for some than others, but we're doing okay. And as a church, your continual support has really allowed us to deliver, bring in more multimedia, have events over with the kids and switch, and really adapt as we go forward. So thank you for your flexibility in doing that and being part of this great community. Okay, what if you haven't given before? Well, this is my gentle encouragement, my pat on the back to say maybe consider. But I think also if you're just new to friends and just sort of feeling it out, why don't you just feel it out? We're really confident that if this is something you're looking for, if you're looking to grow your spiritual journey, this is a great place for it. So we'll get your money in time. That's what I'm saying, right? But for everyone else, just let us know that, you know, if there's anything else that you're looking for or, or feedback for, Vince and Jeff would really like to hear from you. We appreciate that. Like, we really do appreciate your feedback. This series, the Change series, has been amazing. As Jeff mentioned last week, the amount of feedback that we have been sending back to them and just sort of saying, hey, I'm trying some of this stuff. I have my son reading now, actually, uh, because I have him reading one page a day. Like he said, oh, I could do that. So it's interesting in terms of that. Now, if you look around, I don't see Vince or Jeff anywhere. What is going on this morning? Well, Esmond, I think that's your prompting for what is going on. Have a great morning, everyone. Church. First, I have to apologize. I'm not there in person this morning. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night not feeling quite right. My body's fighting something. I don't have any of the core COVID symptoms. But in the middle of a pandemic, or hopefully at the end of a pandemic, I didn't want to risk it at all. So I came in early, recorded this before anyone was here. Uh, I miss seeing you guys. Jeff's out of town today, so unfortunately neither of us are going to be there to greet you. But I hope this is a good service. And thanks for coming to the Spiritual Gym. So let me start this message this way. When we were young kids, you know, grades, or maybe age 9, 10, 11, my dad had made a camper that sits on the back of a truck. Slept five people, and we'd all pack in there, and we'd do these road trips. That would be our holidays for the year. And since we lived in southern Manitoba, we'd just kind of pop across the border into the Dakotas. It's just like a 20-minute drive, no big deal. The border was much easier to get across back then. And I remember one year we drove through the, the Black Hills. It's these beautiful, they call them mountains. Being from Calgary now, it's maybe not a mountain mountain, but it's like <laughs> we call them big hills, maybe foothill-sized mountains. We're driving through, and I remember seeing Mount Rushmore. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. It's the, the relief of the four presidents' faces cut into the side of a mountain. That was pretty cool. Um, we saw the Devil's Tower, which is this crazy tower in the middle of nowhere that looks like the, the First Nation story is there's a bear who scratched down the side of it. So it has these gouge marks down the side of it. That was beautiful. And then we pulled into this place I'd never heard of before. It was called the Crazy Horse Monument. I don't know what that was. I remember hopping, we all hopped out of the camper. Back in those days, we didn't wear seatbelts, so everyone just kind of piled out. And we walked into the visitor center, and, and they had a window. And you look through the window at this mountain. And again, it's called the, the Black Hills, so it's, it's not a massive mountain, not Yamneska, but it's a mountain. And on the, the window, they had a drawing 
of a statue of a famous character in First Nations history, a guy named uh, Chief Crazy Horse. And he's got his, his hand out like this, pointing at his land, and he's sitting on top of his horse. And you can see kind of from like mid-thigh to the top of his head. And at first I thought, wonder what that's all about. And then I realized something strange. They were planning to carve that mountain into the shape of that drawing. And we're not talking a relief like the Rushmore piece where it's just kind of a face off of a cliff. No, no, no. This would be a mountain that when, when it's done, I could drive my car all the way around the mountain and I would see all different sides of this thing that used to be a mountain but's now a full-size statue of Crazy Horse pointing to his land on his horse. I, <laughs> as a 10-year-old, I couldn't even fathom that. What an incredible, incredibly massive undertaking. This isn't like, <clears throat> the statue will be probably a little bit shorter than the bow, and if you lay the bow on the side, it's a little bit shorter than that. But I was there 40 years ago, <clears throat> They'd been working on the statue for 40 years already. And they've gotten as far as to level off an area that kind of looked like it will be the top of his arm. And then a hole here that would be between the arm and the top of the horse. 40 years. They'd been working on this project for 40 years. The main sculptor, the guy who, who kind of conceived of it, or not conceived of it, he was brought on to run the project, had been working on it for his whole life. When he died, his wife took over. She started, so she, she changed the process, and, and first they were working on the arm, and now she started carving the face. I saw pictures of it recently. After 80 years of work, they have the face mostly done, the arm kind of roughed in, the end of the finger kind of roughed in, and still the same hole underneath the arm. They've been working on it for 80 years. How do you stay motivated? How do you take a project that after 80 years, you're what, 10% done, maybe 20% done? How do you stay motivated? Once the main sculptor died, his wife took over. When she died, the daughter took over. They have three generations of family members working at the Crazy Horse Monument. I just remember, still, even now, the scope of that project blows my mind. And since we're working on this series about how to grow, how to be motivated, my question after thinking about the Crazy Horse Monument is, how does one stay motivated for a project that lasts that long? Now, we might be thinking, you know, <laughs> I have no plans to carve a mountain into a statue of a famous First Nations hero. I get that. But we all seem to have long-term projects. Projects that don't just, you know, a two-month, you know, kind of crash diet. I can diet for a 30-day period, but what about a lifestyle? A lifestyle of eating healthy. How do I stay motivated for that? 
I was thinking about, you know, when I go to see a specialist, uh, a medical uh, specialist, most of those doctors had, you know, 12 years of grade school, four years of undergrad, maybe a couple years of med school, then residency. Then some of them have had up to 14 years of additional schooling. That's some place north of 30 years of schooling. How do you stay motivated to complete 30 years of schooling? So what are the long-term goals you have? We had one of our our volunteers just had a, a baby. So I was texting back and forth with the parents, congratulations. I thought, wow, from now on, you guys will always be parents. Whether your kid's, you know, a newborn or pre-K or whatever, grade school, whether they're 70 and you're 90, parenting is this long-haul goal that lasts a lifetime. How do you stay motivated? It's, all, it's fine and good to be, you know, I'm going to buckle down, I'm going to have a great parenting week, and then I'm going to fall off the rails and scream at my kids and lose it, right? Parenting is a lifetime. How do we stay motivated? How do we stay motivated to, to being healthy, to to loving our neighbor as we look at Friends Church, you know? It's not something you just do once and then you're done. It's not something that's just, you know, we're going to have a, a 30-day challenge on loving your neighbor and then you can stop doing it. Loving our neighbors is a lifelong project. In fact, most of our spirituality, connecting to something more, creating the sense of we, finding our own I, understanding the them in our lives, all this is lifelong projects. The spiritual journey is this whole thing that, for most of us, will be our entire lives. I'll be working on this stuff for my entire life. How in the world do we stay motivated for projects that last that long? As you think through your life and you think of these long-term things, you know, how do I be loving? How do I be kind? Do you know how to motivate yourself? for that kind of work? Because I don't know that I knew. I don't know that I knew fully how to stay constantly motivated to do this work that we're here to do. Okay, let's back up. This is the last week of the series. And the series has been based on this idea that says we can make change in our lives. In fact, most of us are here at the spiritual gym because we want to make change. We want to change how we behave in this world. We want to change some of the habits we have. We want to change how we interact with people that we love, people that we don't even know how we are in this world. The core of this thing is kind of changing ourselves, not because there's something wrong with us, but because that's the spiritual journey, growing and evolving. And before this time, we always thought it was, it was based on willpower. You could change yourself as long as you had enough willpower, as long as you could just gut it out. But what I found is, in my life, and I think as, as I talk to many of you, it's not all about willpower. 
There's ways that we can behave. There's things that we can do. There's, there's hacks that we can implement in our lives that will allow us to be motivated to make the changes we want. But no one ever taught us how to motivate ourselves. They just said, you should do it. You know, piano lessons, you should do it. Just buckle down. Eating healthy, you should do it. Just buckle down. More willpower, more willpower. You have a bad habit. You drink too much. Just stop it. What if it worked differently? And that's where this series came from. This question of how do we make these changes? The changes we want to make, we know we need to make. And as I did much reading about this, I came across this one idea. It's called the motivation equation. And for those of you who know me, you know that my undergrad's mostly in engineering. So there's, I have this really soft, beautiful spot in my heart for anything math. Now, if I was here with you all, Esmond, my multimedia guy, would have been great and put it on the screen for you. Unfortunately, we can't do that because I'm not here alone. So I'm going to try and describe it. Motivation in this equation says we are motivated to do the things we want to do based on four areas, four attributes. If we increase one of these attributes, our motivation will climb, and we have greater success or greater chance of success of accomplishing the change we want to make. That's pretty exciting. It's not just based on willpower. And if I, if I don't accomplish something, it's like, ah, I'm a bad person. I have no willpower. No, no, no. It's based on something else. The first thing motivation is based on is based on expectancy. This idea that says, I actually think I can do what I want to do. Now, after years of running and years of putting my body through that, I've decided to come up with a different health challenge. I would like to, this is going to be funny, I'd like to gain muscle mass. My wife says I'm a tall skinny bugger, and she's right. My body tends to not want to gain muscle mass. And, and for some reason right now in my part of my life, I want to be stronger that way. Not just be able to run for long, but be able to do more strength pieces. So as we look at this motivation equation, am I motivated to do what it takes to build muscle, which is lift heavy weights? Well, first, let's look at my motivations through that first lens, the expectancy that I can actually gain muscle mass. Now, here's the problem. I'm tall and skinny. That's my body type. That's my genetics. I've tried at different times to try and build muscle mass. It doesn't really work. So my expectancy is already kind of like, which kills my motivation. But I went to a nutritionist, and she said, actually, for someone with your body type, what you eat and how much you eat is going to be incredibly important. So you need to eat way more and way more carbs. I know I didn't pay her to tell me that. That's what she told me. Eat more carbs. So my expectancy at first from my history was kind of low, but now that I talk to my nutritionist, she's like, oh, no, you can do it. Oh, my expectancy is climbing. And so my motivation climbs. So as you're looking at your motivation, the first thing you have to look at is this expectancy. Can I actually accomplish what I want to do? Can I stop drinking? Can I eat healthy? Can I finish this paper? Second piece that's impacting motivation. It's called value. 
I like to think of it as this way. Do I actually enjoy doing what I need to do to accomplish the goal I want? So in my case, it's lifting heavy weights. Now, in the past, when I lifted heavy weights, I was sore for days after. It's called DOMS, Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. I don't know why they have an acronym. It basically means you have sore muscles for days at a time. So I'd lift, and even three days later, I'd just be like so sore. So there's nothing fun about lifting heavy weights. And so my, again, my motivation dropped because my enjoyment of it dropped. But I found if I take a certain supplement that my body's lacking, I've been able to lift now without getting sore muscles other than kind of the normal amount. And suddenly my enjoyment of lifting becomes much higher and I can feel my motivation climbing. I can go to the gym and you know, get on the squat rack and push as hard as I can and feel that soreness in my legs and the tiredness. And the next day I feel okay. So I'm enjoying the actual activity of lifting weights for the first time probably in my life. So that works pretty good. So my motivation climbed. Now the pandemic shut shut down my gym. And so there's this piece. So we have this idea of expectations. Can I actually accomplish this? Then we have this idea of do I actually enjoy what it takes to do it? Do I value doing it? Then the third thing is this idea of distractions. If something gets in my way, do I get distracted away from doing what I want to do? Now, when my gym closed, that was a big distraction. (laughs) I had no place to lift weights. I had no weights at home. I had ordered them online, but it was the beginning of the pandemic. There was not a weight to be had in the world. And my motivation dropped. But about a year into the pandemic, finally the, the weights that I ordered showed up. So I was able to start lifting weights. And I keep them right in front of my TV. We have this little apartment. We live in a little wooden bedroom. Right in front of my TV. You cannot enter your apartment or the apartment without seeing my weights. You cannot watch TV without weights. We always eat at the, on the couch. So I'm looking at my weights. So there's this constant reminder, hey, Vince, you need to lift your weights. Hey, Vince. In my calendar, I have it set up. These are the days that I lift weights. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lower the amount of distractions that take me away. One of the things that's really important with distractions is breaks in routines. You know, people do really good on a fitness routine or a health routine or an eating routine or a reading routine until they hit a holiday. And the holiday just kind of breaks them out of the the routine and suddenly they're like, whoa, it's a distraction. Now, those of you who are quite astute are realizing we actually built this series using that as our model, using this equation, this motivation equation, as a way of looking at different parts of our lives as it relates to increasing or decreasing our motivation. And what I found myself doing now is, as soon as I want to do something, I run it through this motivation equation. Okay, do I expect I can actually accomplish this? Yeah, I think I can. Do I value doing it? Mm, but I can maybe make it a bit better. How's my distractions? Ooh, I'm going to have to work on that. Maybe I'm going to have to put my phone away for a couple hours so I can read the book I need to read, whatever. I was doing all good. We were, we were just uh, in Mexico on a holiday, me and my wife. And for some reason, I really like going to the gym on the holiday. So I've been lifting weights like crazy, <clears throat> having a great time. Um, until one day, <laughs> on the holidays, we're, we're sitting down eating, and she asks me this simple question because she knows me so well. 
Jesus says, how long do you think you're going to be lifting weights for? Now she knows me. She knows that I get super into something for, you know, months at a time, maybe a year or two, and then I get bored with it, and then I stop, and I just change and do something different. So what she's poking at is she's saying, how long are you actually going to be lifting weights for? I know you're really into it right now, and you're doing great. You're, you're lifting a lot. You know, you've figured out your nutrition. you figured out your supplementation. You're doing good. How long is it going to last? And that's the final piece of this puzzle, the motivation puzzle that we are going to look at today. Because motivation seems to be impacted by how much we expect we're actually going to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish, how much we enjoy doing the work to accomplish that thing. If we can limit the distractions that kind of knock us off the path. But the final one is this idea of delay. It says that if our success for us is very delayed, our motivation will drop. So if I lift weights for like five months and I see no difference in my body, my, I haven't changed my muscle mass at all, my motivation is going to die. And my wife knows that after a time, I get bored with things and I'm looking at going, well, I'm not accomplishing a whole lot anymore. And my motivation dies. Which is why the Crazy Horse Monument just blows my mind and I can't stop thinking about it. How does a family stay motivated for three generations on the same project? It's not like they're making tons of cash. This is a not-for-profit. Everything that they do is donation-based. How do we stay motivated when the success that we want to accomplish might be at the end of our lives? Think of a parent. A parent has a child. It's not like, hey, we got through the first year. Woo, I'm done. No longer need to parent. No. The success for the goal of being a good parent is at the end of our lives. The delay between where we are now and where success is, is huge. How does one stay motivated when this kind of delay, and when we look at our spiritual goals, loving our neighbor, living an examined life, connecting to transcendence, these are all lifelong pieces. There's not, you know, I can work out for three months and suddenly I'm going to be like this massive, like Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. It's not how spirituality works. These are goals, or goals that have a success that happens maybe never, maybe at the end of our lives. I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. It's not I lost 10 pounds. It's I'm eating healthy for my whole life. And the goal is somehow at the end of my life, I feel better, I am better, I live longer, I don't know. But the goal is 40 years from now. The, the success for the goal is 40 years from now. That's why I think it's so hard to stay motivated. I, I look at a can of Coke and I go, oh, I really like that can of Coke. But I know it's not good for me. But not having this can of Coke, eating healthy, only has a success when I'm old. This isn't going to change my life right now. I can drink a Coke right now, no problems. I'm not even going to feel it. 
but it has an impact on me when I'm older. And so this delay between <clears throat> where we are now and the goal we have and the success for that goal, when it's really long, our motivation takes a hit. So how do we stay motivated? What can we learn about motivation? I'm going to talk about two pieces of the puzzle here. <clears throat> the first piece of the puzzle for motivation has to do with this idea that, well, let me tell it through the, the lens of the Crazy Horse Monument. Crazy Horse has an entire mountain that they're going to carve into a statue. It's going to be this massive thing. What they did is they chopped it into pieces. They said, okay, the top of the arm. For the first 40 years, that's what they worked on. And that little hole, so you could see at some point, it's just, this is all mounted over here. At some point, this is going to be an arm. When the founder died and his wife took over, she decided that she would take a different piece. She would focus on the face because she thought, well, if we can get down the face, people can recognize there's something of humanity in this. And so she worked on that piece of the puzzle. And after 40 years, you can see the face now is, I think, mostly done. It looks like a face. It looks like, never met crazy horse, but it looks like a gentleman. The technical term that they're using is chunking. You take this project where you have this goal, and the success of the goal is way, 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 way out there. And then you break it into smaller pieces so that you can have a, a, a shorter delay between where you are and success. If you think about it, <clears throat> when parents do this, or actually, let me do it through the lens of school. Anyone who's gone through school, uh, maybe post-secondary school or whatever, you, you can think of it in terms of your degree. That's four years. That's a lot. Four years of seven classes a semester of nonstop reading, nonstop homework and labs and write-ups and papers and you name it. Your brain starts to kind of blow up a little bit. Again, the delay between where you are and success is too far away. And so your motivation starts to drop. It just kind of feels like, oh, I have my undergrad and then my master's degree. And then if I do a PhD, oh. So what chunking does, chunking says, I'm going to take this big piece that I, is, is overwhelming and is not motivating, and I'm going to make it smaller. Instead of thinking of a four-year degree, what if I think of, I'm just going to focus on this year or on this semester? For me, sometimes it was down to, I'm just going to focus on this paper. That's all I'm going to think about because that's all I can stay motivated for. Once I get this paper done, I'll work on the next paper. And I'll work on the next paper. Do you see how chunking works? Parents do it all the time. You, you, you talk about your kids as like babies and then as toddlers and then as pre-K and then K and then grade school. What you're doing is you're chunking different parts. Whew, we made it through the terrible twos. Oh, thank goodness, that was painful. We chunk our lives up in these little pieces, and then we kind of feel like, okay, we accomplished that. We got our kids through high school. Whew, they graduated, thank you. It's a chunk. And here's what we know from, from brain science. Once you finish each chunk, celebrate the crap out of it. You know, <laughs> once your kid gets into like kindergarten, just like totally like, we totally got through the first five years. Woo! Your brain loves that. 
It loves to know that there's a chunk and that we won. And you can feel, as soon as you get this, this delay shorter and shorter, you can feel your motivation start to climb. I'll show you. If I say this, I want you to exercise for the rest of your life consistently, regularly. Start now. Like every day for the rest of my life? Really? That's too long. But if I said, hey, look, just let's do a 30-day challenge. I got an email from one uh, physiotherapist I follow. She's like, we're going to do a 30-day challenge. Where it's going to be great. Well, 30 days. I can do 30 days. Might be a little hard, but I can do it. If she said it was a 10-day challenge, I'd be like, oh, for sure. I can work out. Any of us can work out for 10 days straight, right? The length of time you need between where you are and a piece of success, even if it's a chunk, do you know how long works for you? For me, if it's physical goals, like uh, working out and stuff like that, I can have maybe a couple months. Sometimes my goals are down to like a week. What, what we each need to realize as we chunk our lives out is how small of a chunk do we need to keep our motivation high? Let's say you're, you're in a partnership. You're, you're married or, or connected with someone long-term and it's not going well. You want to have a better relationship. That's the goal, right? I want, this is not good. I want good. Well, good <laughs> seems pretty far away, and so the motivation starts to drop, but we can, we can chunk it up and say, okay, <clears throat> what if I just read a book? A book on relationships. Maybe, maybe I could find something good. Or maybe even that, a book's too long. Maybe I'm just going to listen to a podcast. I'll listen to Esther Prell, or I'll listen to some um, psychologist and learn just bits and pieces of how to make a better relationship. Ah, that chunk I can handle. The idea of trying to fix my whole relationship is like, I don't even know what to do. Jeez. But if we chunk it into smaller pieces, we're like, oh, I can do that. I could listen to a podcast on my way to work tomorrow. I could book a, a meeting with a counselor. I could go to that meeting with the counselor and maybe learn how to be a healthier person. When we chunk our lives down and we celebrate it, our motivation climbs huge. So here's the thing you need to know about chunking. Make the chunks as small as you can and don't forget the celebration. <clears throat> There's this quote from Jesus. He says, I have a new command to give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's that love your neighbor goal. How do you chunk that down? How do you take a lifelong practice like loving your neighbor and make it into a smaller piece? I don't know that you can. Or maybe it's not easy. So while we talk about <clears throat> to deal with the delay between where we are and where success is, we can chunk things up. But there's certain pieces that we don't seem to be able to chunk. So how do we stay motivated when we can't chunk it, when we can't work on just the face of Crazy Horse or just the arm or, or whatever piece? Our spiritual ancestors, I think, thought a lot about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's this idea in, in the Christian tradition called tithing. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. The idea is that you take a certain portion of your money, 10% is kind of the term that's often used, and you give it away. 
You give it to people in need. You give it to people who, who are poor. You give it through the church. You give it so that other people can enjoy spirituality. It's this idea that says, this is what I should do to be a good Christian, or at least that's how I grew up with it. It was thought of as a rule. In fact, I remember stories of people having, <laughs> asking for the tax returns of somebody in their community to see if they were actually tithing 10%. To them, the point of tithing was to do it right, to not piss off the gods, whatever that means. But as I've looked through these rules more and more through the Christian tradition, what I've realized is, first, they work. My family, even though we were poor, quite poor at times, always donated 10%. Always. We always did what we were supposed to do. I've heard of other people saying, you know, we don't, let, um, we don't go to bed angry. Me and my wife, we don't go to bed angry. That's a rule. And you know what it does? It makes them talk things out instead of going to bed and getting resentful. I've heard of people saying rules like, <clears throat> we eat vegetarian once a week. Okay, that's a rule. What rules seem to do is they transcend this idea of motivation, and it kind of gives us this way to look at something to accomplish long-term. I don't look in terms of the moment and say, <clears throat> do I want to do this? I look at it through the rule and say, oh, it's Thursday, that's vegetarian night, we have to eat vegetarian. Oh, this rule that we made, I'm going to go to church on Sundays, that's my rule. Okay, well, it's Sunday morning, i got to go to church. That's how it works. And what it does is it almost kind of transcends motivation and gets you around it. Now, here's the problem. The rule in tithing became this like absolute rule. And I think people forgot that the rule was designed to keep them generous, to focus on, you know, the I and the them, to have some of the I given to them, which is what we call this we sense, where we take care of each other. So 10% of what I have is used to help people around me. That's what tithing was for. Now, it, the rule isn't the thing. It's the generosity that's the thing. The way I look at it is instead of seeing tithing as a rule, like capital R U, I think of it as a rule. Because I always want to remember there's a reason I'm doing this. There's a reason I'm engaging this rule, not to make the rule happen, not because some divine super being is going to be pissed if I don't. No, because I want to accomplish something. I want to be loving. I'm going to be caring. I have a rule that says if somebody is fundraising for an event that has to do with humans and somehow making humanity better, I will donate. No questions asked. It's a rule. It's a rule. Doesn't somehow mean if I don't do it, I'm a bad person. No. It's my way of staying motivated to saying part of the money that I have in my life, I want to use to make the world a better place. So there's rules. So my question for you is, as you look at your long-term goals, these big, long spiritual goals, these, these big pieces, what rules could work for you? How about, I will always choose love? Or, um, <laughs> I'm not sure, some of the Christian ones that from the Christian tradition is things like, well, what would Jesus do? 
Who is my neighbor? I'm going to see everyone as my neighbor. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead with kindness. I'm going to, you know, be generous. There's, there's all these rules we have in our lives. Again, the rules are not absolutes, but what they do is they help us create a spiritual, they help us deal with long-term spiritual goals. I know my wife has a rule. I go to church. It's not because church somehow is the thing. It's because she goes, I want spirituality in my life. I want to work on that part of my life. And I need to do something to do it. And so that's her rule. What's your rule? Parents, what are your rules with your kids? One of my dad's rules was never discipline your kids when you're angry. I remember waiting many, many hours in a bedroom sometimes <laughs> while my dad had to calm down before he'd come and discipline me. That was his rule. I think it was a pretty good rule. Maybe your rule is we eat supper at the table together as a family. That's a pretty good rule. Me and my wife have a rule that <clears throat> every Friday, or at least once a week, we go on a date together and we don't bring our phones. We, you know, we can use it for navigation and but as soon as we're, we finished using it, we stick it in our pockets and we engage. It's, the rule isn't phones are bad. The rule is I want to be here with you and create connection with you. And so that's our rule. That's how we live. As you go through your life, what rules, what rules, air quotes, would help? What things would change what things could you accomplish? What long-term pieces could you start to move towards? As I finish this series, I want to encourage you. Look at your life through this lens of these different pieces of motivation. Today we looked at delay. If you find that your, your goals have these two... the, the between where you are and success is just too long, shorten it, chunk it down. Make rules. You know, we're going to hug each other as soon as we come home every night. I'm going to be taking a class, you know, every year. I have some friends who have rules around reading books. They want to self-develop, so their rule is I have to read one book a month. Okay, great. What are the rules you need to become the person you want to be? If you're struggling with, with this idea of, oh, I, I don't expect that I can actually succeed in the goals that I have, go back a couple weeks. Listen to the message Jeff talked about. Now that you kind of see the whole lens, go back and look at it through a new lens. Listen to it and be like, oh, that's what he was talking about. Success spirals. Starting to figure out how to get myself thinking, well, wait, wait, I can actually build more muscle mass. I could do that. If you're struggling that you don't enjoy doing the things that you need to do to accomplish your goals, listen to the message I did right near the beginning where we talked about how do we bundle things? How do we put things together so that we actually enjoy what we're doing? If distractions is your issue, <laughs> if your phone's coming out all the time or you can always find Netflix to watch or whatever, Listen to Jeff's message from last week. He talks about how to minimize the distractions so that you don't get pulled off the path. 
Go back to the thing that you've been thinking through as you've come through the series, the, the, the goal that you want to accomplish, the thing you want to change, the growth you want. Maybe it's adding something to your life, taking it away. I encourage you to see it through this lens of motivation. Use the hacks that we've taught you to motivate yourself to do something, to make a change, to accomplish what you want to accomplish. French Church exists to inspire you to make your world a little bit better. And as we looked at that idea in my life and I think in all of your lives, I kept coming back to this question, how do we do it? How do I make the changes I want to make? How do I stop behaving like a jerk sometimes? How do I create healthy habits? How do I do this? And then I started to realize, no, it's deeper than that. Because the changes I make in my life spill out of me into the people around me. The work I do here impacts the people around me and the people I love. That's the spiritual journey around creating this sense of we. I can change things and I can change my entire world by doing it. This motivation isn't just a good idea. I think it's how we change the world. And I think the world is dying for us to make these changes, to make it better. The people we love, the people we're close to, the people across the world that we'll never meet, when we make these changes and become better versions of ourselves, I think we elevate everybody. And I think the world is desperate, desperately needing people like us to make these changes, to make the whole world a little bit better. If you still feel like you can't do it, I want to invite you to come out next week as Easter. We're going to take this all we've learned about motivation, tie it to some of the core Christian stories, and show us how maybe it's time to start fresh, to let go of the baggage, to let go of the failures, start fresh, and live the spiritual journey in a new way. Looking forward to seeing you. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again for all the volunteers who helped out this week so that I could do this talk and not be here. Have a great week.